Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. I know it's been a minute since I got on, and I'm just I'm. It's been really busy, and I I missed I missed talking about all these films. I've seen so many. I made sure to keep make sure I was keeping watching, and we got to break down all those late November releases. I think the last episode I did was right before Thanksgiving. We got to break down those late November releases, all the December ones except for one because I haven't seen it. And then there's like one early January film I've gotten so far, and I'm talking about some box ups for those, and it's just. If I can remember the numbers, I'm just like doing it off the fly here. See, it, it, we took a break because I have so much going on in my life right now. And these, it took a lot to write out these. Less record, but more write out than edit than post. And it was a big process. This one's going to be more, I have a list of films I want to talk about. I'm here to talk about them. So let's get into it. So I think the last episode, I saw Hunger Games, Thanksgiving, Trolls 3, and maybe there's one more, but I knocked all those out and I had one left and that was like holdovers. And the next week I had wish into pulling. I was going to try and knock all those out, but I was going out of town for like a whole week. It was, again, there was a reason I put on hold and then I got sick. It was, it was a mess. So that first one I saw right after that was the holdovers actually. It didn't come to my local theater. I had to drive down to the beach to go and see it at a little bit bigger theater. It's about a 40 minute drive to get there. It was, it was it planned it well, but the holdovers. So this is a big heavyweight favorite for an Oscars and it's getting a lot of award buzz, mostly for the cast. I really enjoyed it. It was definitely the vibe I was looking for in 1970s throwback. I wasn't blown away by it as I was hoping I would be. It was very cozy. It's something I'm going to turn on next Christmas, but the real standout here was divine joy Randolph in that supporting role. She performed amazing. And then her character was also the best written of the entire movie. And just the stuff with her, and her son, and her being the cook, that was just, it was amazing. Paul Giamatti, he was great too. I wouldn't be sad if I saw him win an Oscar too. And then you also have the kid, Dominique Sessa, I believe how you pronounce his name, who's never acted before. He was great in that. It was a little too long for me. I don't think it needed to be two hours and 15 minutes. I think you could have made this an hour and 45, but it would have sang beautifully. But it was just nice and cozy. It had really great writing there. The ending scene with him talking to like the headmaster, if you, you know what I mean, if, if you've seen that movie, that was just Great, really tries to pull on your heartstrings there. So again, not one of, I don't know, it might be in my top 10 of the year. I don't know, I haven't figured out the top 10 list, but I just wish it could have been my favorite, but it wasn't that, but it was still like a really good movie. So I definitely, it's on Peacock now. So I definitely recommend seeing that if you haven't already. Then I saw Wish, and I think I'm the only going to be the only defender of this movie because I loved Wish. I really, I wasn't expecting it, especially with all the reviews came out. I think it's like, 45% on Rotten Tomatoes, which I don't really know how it's it's that on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't understand what movie these people saw. Like, it's not any worse than Strange World. I don't know what's happening there. It was way better than Strange World, although my sister will disagree, but she hasn't seen Wish yet. But she says, Strange World's amazing. I'm not seeing Wish. It was, she, she will die on that horror. She will die on that hill. But the movie itself, one, I loved the soundtrack for this movie. All those songs, I thought they were all bops, and there were less of them than I would have liked to see, but I thought they were all pretty great, and I, especially at all costs, that I really like that one, knowing what I know now, this wish, like, I love it. I, I was listening to it for a minute after that. We had to take a road trip the day after I saw it, so I was just listening to that soundtrack over and over again. I've only seen it the one time, and I'm hoping it comes out on streaming soon so I can watch it again. Hopefully it'll be on Disney Plus pretty soon. But the, the villain, I loved King Magnifico. I wish they could have done more with the relationship between King Magnifico and his wife because they originally, in the original plans, they were going to have them both be the villains. I think that would have been a much cooler idea. And I wish they would have developed a few more things. Like, there's way too many characters in this movie. I would like, let's focus on Asha and maybe her one friend, not 
excuse me, not all seven of her friends, plus her mom, plus her grandfather. It was just a whole thing. It was just way too much going on, for, especially for a short runtime as it had. The star? Oh, I got the star popcorn bucket. Probably can't see it back there. It's up there on the rest of my collection. But star, new new idea. It was just beautiful. I love star. He was so cute. Goat, I can tell. I think the goat should have been shafted. Let's just have Star have all the runtime here because that was the real stand of the movie. Animation-wise, I didn't really like the animation style. I didn't. I would rather them go back to like what they did with Frozen. Either do Frozen or do animated-wise because I don't. I didn't like what they were going for there. It just made it feel cheap, and especially for two hundred million dollar movie, it shouldn't feel cheap. And this movie is a flop. It's only made two hundred million dollars worldwide so far, and it's probably going to tap out at two fifty, which means they're going to lose a lot of money on this thing. Because audiences, they didn't seem to like it. It got, I think it got a B plus and some, no, it got an A minus, which that's not strong for a kid animated movie. And I'm just really surprised that people didn't see this one because I really enjoyed it. And so did the person I went and saw it with. Like by the time they got to the end climax and every, the whole town was singing, oh, we got us. We got us. We, we were really enjoying it. Then I saw, I, I skipped over Napoleon because I did not have time on vacation. I have not gotten back around to it, but I will once it comes out on digital on Tuesday. There's just been so much stuff going on. But Godzilla Minus One, I made it out to see that because I am a huge Godzilla fan. And, excuse me, I am a huge Godzilla fan. And, I don't know, I've never seen a Japanese film before. I've just seen, <laughs> I've just seen the Warner Brothers film. And I guess I can't maybe say, I, maybe I can't say I'm a Godzilla fan now. But I am a Godzilla fan. And this is the first Japanese movie I've seen from Toho Studios. And it was, it was really good. It did it's going to sound like so weird and so personal, but it really pissed me off for most of the runtime because I thought they were going to go in a different direction with the whole suicide kamikaze angle. I was like, we're really, I, I understand, like, we're really not advocating for this. And just seeing stuff like that at that time, and especially the other way, the other, like, one one of the characters is saying, this is your fault. You didn't sacrifice yourself. So this is all your fault. These people died. It just, ooh, really grinds my gears. It made me really mad. And I get a little furious and then I kind of zone out and get pissed at the movie itself, even though they weren't going for that. They were, they're actually going for the opposite message, but in their way, they're going for the opposite message. I thought they had me there. What I thought they were going to end off with saying like, oh, he should kill himself, but they didn't. I was like, oh, thank God they didn't go for that because I would have been really mad, really mad because um, that whole stuff just really, really pissed me off. But other than that, anytime Godzilla was on screen, oh my gosh, hold on. I had recording this. If you're wondering what just happened there, I'm recording this right as a Golden Globe starts, so I gotta make sure I pause it so I can watch it after it ends. So you know what time I recorded this, but back to Godzilla minus one. The scene where he attacks Tokyo, that was the highlight of the movie right there. That was incredible, especially when he did his atomic breath and just blew up the entire city. Everything crumbled to ash. I wanna see that in American Godzilla film too. Like, please do that. Now with the magenta pink, oh, it could be that would be amazing. I didn't like the climax as much as I liked that one attack scene especially because they got away from the city scene and more to the ocean side. I wish they would have kept it. I like Godzilla in cities and less out on the ocean because there's not there's not buildings to destroy. I feel like I like it when there's buildings to, to, to destroy. But you know they're going to do a sequel to this movie, so we should be seeing that real soon. And then the emotional climax between the character, I didn't I don't really like that personal side because again, it had to do with like the kamikaze angle, and I just like I don't really want to watch topics on that, but... I don't know, this uh, just makes stronger again, as I said. But the, the other side with the girl that he finds after the war and his kid, that really got me. And I really loved the emotional climax to that. Then I saw Dream Scenario, the Nicolas Cage movie. And I was hoping for more on this one, but I didn't realize how damn depressing this movie was going to be. It's a whole commentary on celebrity cancel culture or how much 
not cancel culture because you didn't really do anything wrong, but more on how they'll raise you up on a pedestal and then they'll slowly tear you down. Just like what Air said in that one in that speech Matt Damon gave. I think about that so much. It's so relevant. It happens so often and people it just continue history continues to repeat itself. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Quote George Lucas. But Dream Scenario really had I love the commentary, especially when everybody was getting mad at him towards that second half. Oh, it made me so angry. And then the ultimate conclusion he had with his wife, that was that was heartbreaking. I did like the um the plot device of the dream scenario thing, but I kind of, I think it got off a little bit of the rails at the end when they had like these magic wristband things. It got a little bit off the rails towards the end there. And I thought they could have done more with the concept, but they kind of dropped it and did some weird other things that I wouldn't have liked. I think they could have gone in a different direction and made it like that much better. But the last scene of this movie, it really got me. Then I saw Thanksgiving, like two weeks after actual Thanksgiving happened. And as someone who works retail, Oh my god, that, that, that first 20 minutes of the Black Friday scene, that was a that was like, whoa. I this is this is crazy. Um, I thought the first 20 minutes were way better than the second than the rest of the movie. Just seeing that Black Friday horror movie unfold, I think the movie should have just been a Black Friday horror movie because I would have liked that better. Uh it, most of the film felt just like a bad screen knockoff that you knew who the killer was from like a mile away. I did like Bubba. I like that character. The rest of them. No, take it or leave it. I didn't. I didn't think they made them that memorable. Some of the kills are pretty good, but I don't know. It just didn't fill me with as much tense, tenseness, if that's a word, as the Scream films did, where I was on the edge of my seat trying to figure out who the killer was. I didn't have that same situation here. I did for the first twenty minutes during the Black Friday scene as someone who works retail, as I said. Gosh, that was horrifying to watch unfold in front of my eyes. But it felt very realistic versus the other stuff, which is a little bit less realistic, a little hyper sensualized, especially like the parade attack scene. Oh my gosh. That, I, I zoned out for a second. I was like, what the heck am I watching? So yeah, Thanksgiving, they're making a sequel to this. So hopefully it can get on that level of the Scream films or they just make it a whole Black Friday movie, which is what I want. That's what I want. Just a whole Black Friday horror movie. Or you could have just made this a 20 minute short film. I would have been happy. Then I saw The Boy and the Heron early December. I have never seen a Studio Ghibli film in theaters. I think I've seen Ponyo. And there's maybe one other. I need to really get into some Studio Studio Ghibli films, but they're usually not really my type of animated film, if that makes sense. This one, I really liked the stuff when we were delving with Legacy and how you leave it to your children and stuff like that and how it will be remembered. You don't want them to have to stick on. <coughs> Excuse me. You don't want them to have to carry on your Legacy. But you just want them, I don't know, just... I really like the more philosophical parts of this film and the creator and dealing with stuff like that. And the score was fantastic. And stuff to do with his dead mom when she when he has to deal with that. I was like, wow, this is amazing. But then you got into the weird, the more like they were high on drugs while they were making this movie type stuff, if that makes sense. Like the par- the parakeets, I don't the, the whole world that they made, the giant, it was just it was very deep. The heron himself, it's like this is very deeply unsettling and kind of crazy and something that I would rather focus on the more philosophical stuff and more the meaning stuff like that, unless I'm giant parakeets and just stuff that like I don't know who that came up with that and it kind of just got on like let's show let's be weird to be weird if that makes sense I don't know but sometimes they get in their own sensibilities like that but the, the part with the writing and the the message of it I love that but it kind of got weighed down and bogged down by the other weird stuff then Wonka which I went saw this with a group of people and None of them knew it was a musical, and that was really funny to see their face reaction when the first scene happens and they're all singing, and they had no idea we were watching a musical. 
So that was pretty great. I love it. They're tricking people into seeing musicals. It's so funny. But I was really hoping to love this on like new favorite Christmas movie. No, not really. That was kind of just like standard. None of the music stood out to me. It was very just like formulaic and I knew exactly what was going to happen next. And Timothy Chalamet was great. The cast was great. I love, I, everybody did a great job. And um, it just, it just felt like a very vanilla movie, if that makes sense. And I didn't really love the climate. Uh, excuse me. It wasn't vanilla except for the Oompa Loompa. Oh my gosh, Richard Grant as an Oompa Loompa. Oh, it was great. He should have been in the movie way more and hopefully they do a sequel he is. But my biggest disappointment with Wonka is I thought it was going to tell me why he became a child murderer. And I didn't get to see that. I just wanted to see, like, what made this man become a child murderer. And we didn't get to see that just yet. So hopefully if they make a sequel, they can show me why he became a child murderer. Because that's, that's that's really what I didn't want to see. I didn't want to see him take down the chocolate car- cartel or whatever the heck it was. And I'm like, oh, he's going to take it down. He's going to become the best chocolate shop maker in the world. I don't care about it. I want to know what happened to him. And then answer that. So hopefully they'll answer that soon. Then Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom are Aquaman 2, the last DCU film. Awful reviews, 36% Rotten Tomatoes. It's it's not doing too great. And I actually, I, I might even say I love it. I really like this movie. I might even say I love this movie. It was just so much fun watching in theater. I've seen it twice now. I'm kind of like twice in like a third because I was in between Double Feature and a Satin and Aquaman screening. So that was pretty fun. But I love Aquaman and I love Jason Momoa. And nothing can take that away from me because I just love, <laughs> I love this hero so much. I wish Mira had been in it more. I wish they either recast Amber Heard and had her be the main role or just not her at all because it would have just, I just, I don't know. I would have just given her the whole role. I, I, I can separate the art from the artists. I don't really care. Um, I just wish she has really cool power sets. So I wish she was involved a lot more the whole film to make the actual scenes a little bit more quick and stuff like that. But it could have gone a little bit more. Like this is a very schlocky, schloppy, schlocky movie. I don't know what the correct term is. But it doesn't do anything I've never seen before. It doesn't go beyond, like, into emotional territory. It's just, like, a fun Jason Moe kicking butt. Great action scenes. I love Atlantis so much. I love underwater crap. Um, I loved Avatar 2 last year, like, my favorite film last year. And I got Aquaman this year. I'm just like, just keep giving me underwater stuff, please, because I will eat it up. I love being at the beach. I love the water. So let's just, like, keep going. Yeah, so Aquaman is the best DC movie this year by far. Probably Flash right under that. I'm going to say I like Shazam 2 better than Blue Beetle. I thought Blue Beetle was so boring. But Aquaman was my favorite DC this film. And I'm glad we got to see this before it got sent out. But I wish they would have marketed this film because it would have made so much more than $400 million it's probably going to make. And that's without any marketing. And if they had, it probably would have gotten to $700 million, I bet. And maybe one day we can see a great Aquaman again. Because I wish we would have gotten our trilogy. Like, I'm ready for DC EU to die. But I would have liked to see another great Aquaman movie after seeing this. I'm like, oh, I miss Aquaman. But if we have to purge the whole thing, do it. Don't keep anybody, J- uh, James Gunn. Just purge the whole thing. If we're gonna lose, if we're gonna lose Aquaman, you best believe you should lose John Cena. That's that's all I say. If we're gonna get rid of Jason Momoa, we got to get rid of everybody because he's only one day making any money. Then we have the Iron Claw, which I was expecting to hit me a lot harder than it did. It did for a few scenes, like at the end, it hit me a bit. But I wish I would have felt it a lot more. I wish I could have connected more emotionally to these characters. Because a lot of the death scenes were off screen. Which I didn't really like that. I'd rather see it happen in person. I guess we're trying to be in the mindset of... Uh, I think his name... I can't remember what Zac Efron's character's name was. But the main Von Eric that we were following. Where he doesn't get to see these take place in front of him. Except kind of the last one. 
But wrestling scenes were awesome. Zac Efron, I think he should be the front runner for best actor. And I, I, I don't see any other performance. Maestro, I don't think he's winning that. And the only other competition for that is Cillian Murphy. But I really think Zac Efron should be a front runner for it. And maybe Jer- Jeremy Allen White should be in supporting. Because they all were amazing. That whole family, his mom made me so angry. And so did the dad. But you really felt like this this could happen. This could really happen in Texas. Oh, and uh, Lily, I forgot her name. But the woman who plays Cinderella and plays Zac Efron's wife in this, she was amazing too. All the actors were doing a fantastic job. I kind of wish they hadn't cut out the other brother they left out because they said it'd be too sad. I don't think so. I can handle it. I think most people can. But I kind of just, I just wish I had, was able to see it on screen and be able to connect with them a little bit more. But oh, a great movie, nonetheless. A great movie, nonetheless. Then Anyone But You, which is climbing those box office charts. Surprisingly, I, no one saw this coming. It actually went up in its third weekend of release, which is first time ever rom-com has done that in a non-holiday quarter which is insane um but we had so much fun scenes and it was packed on like a wednesday wednesday night three weeks after the movie came out i don't know how that happened but uh it was it was so much fun i love sydney sweeney i love her white lotus she's amazing and i'm she's the one reason i'm excited for madam webb and pal i like i thought he was fine talking about he's not he's not my favorite but the supporting cast of this movie all fire they all hit on all cylinders every character somewhat main character in this movie i loved i was like this is just a, such a fun movie and then playing unwritten that was hilarious and it really got stuck in my head afterwards the soundtrack for this movie fire i have been playing it a lot now i was like i was looking for some good music and i got some here some of the jokes hit really hard it just it was just like a good rom-com that's doing well a great cloud crowd pleaser and i know my mom's gonna love this movie so i'm gonna try to get her to go see it but yeah awesome movie really fun then i saw next the next day or two days later i did a double feature of, no, actually the next day. I did a double feature of The Color Purple and Night Swim. A double feature you never think thought anyone would do, but I did it. Um, the first one, The Color Purple, I thought it was great outside any of the singing scenes. So that makes me think I would really like the original, which didn't have any singing scenes and was not a musical. I cried a couple times in this movie. My favorite scene was the dinner scene about I thought was going to be climax in the movie. It was not when she finally stands up to the abuser i'll just leave it at that that one that really got me and then all the stuff with sophia with um what is the actress's name i just i just read it oh but she's a can't remember her name but she's the front runner for or she's like the second place runner daniel brooks daniel brooks behind uh, divine joy randolph for that oscar for best supporting actress and she deserves she was incredible absolutely incredible and then the final scene of course that really got me as well but other than that I really connected with everything when they weren't singing and the singing, I felt like we were taking a pause every time someone started to sing. I was like, yeah, I know. Let's get, let's get back to the story. And so I think I just seen a rock to the original, but still good movie, but it just could have been so much better if they hadn't made it a musical. Then we got Night Swim, which I can't, can't lie. I kind of, I kind of enjoyed it, even though it has awful reviews, awful critic reactions, awful audience reactions. It's just like, but I kind of I kind of had fun with it. I think it's just solely because of Carrie Condon and um, Wyatt Russell. Just because of them, too. I really liked it. I like their family dynamic. And there's one shot towards the end where they flip a quarter. And let me just leave it at that. I was like, oh, that was beauty right there. It did. The, the pool did lose its luster, especially when, like, three of the characters knew it was haunted 40 minutes in the movie. And only, like, one or two people died. So it wasn't very scary. And it's not a very formidable foe. Best served a short film 
which it was, they turned a short film in the movie, and I think it should have stayed as a short film. I mean, there's not much you can do with it, but I liked what they did with it, so I can't lie. I kind of, I kind of had fun with it. But it was, I just love Carrie Condon. I want to see Carrie Condon in more stuff. And then today, I did another double feature of Ferrari and the Boys in the Boat. And first Ferrari, I wish it would have focused more on the business and the relationship, like personal stuff, rather than the racing itself, because the racing scenes I thought were really boring. It's stuff I've seen everywhere before, except for one in any scene. But I was just like, oh. Let me get back to the Penelope Cruz yelling at Adam Driver, because that's where the movie really shined for me. Penelope Cruz, my gosh. Best Supporting Actress this year. And the, all the Actress Awards are way more stacked than the Actor Awards this year. It, it just feels like it that way. But Penelope Cruz, she has all the best scenes in the movie. And then her bouncing off Adam Driver, it was just, it was pure perfection anytime I was watching those scenes. And then when she's, she manages the money, so same with the business side, having her and him. I wish it would have been more duo, less just Adam Driver than dealing with the racers. But that one last racing scene, the accident that happens, whew, that I, I did not know that happened. And that is really, really awful. And when that happened, everybody in the theater gasped. Because, I don't know, I never heard it from the 1950s. And I'm surprised that really didn't tank all of Ferrari down with it, even though they weren't culpable. But I'm still surprised it didn't tank them. So I loved learning that. I loved the business side. And I loved Penelope Cruz and, it, and the personal stuff with them. But the other half of the movie is the racing scenes and the boring Oh, let's design this car here. I'm just not a car guy. I was like, let's design this car here. Like racing. Oh, so boring. So boring. Oh, God. <laughs> so yeah, it could have been really, really good had they focused on the stuff that was really enthralling and new that I haven't seen before, but they focus on the other stuff. So, you know, meh. Adam Driver, love you. I just know Adam Driver can do really in like divorce, divorce arguments very well between the marriage story and this now. Like, oh, give this man, give this man more sad, sad relationship movies, please, because he can sell it. And then the last movie that I saw in theaters we got to talk about is The Boys in the Boat, which I told my mom coming out of it, that is the most boomer movie I think I have ever seen. I was the only person in there under 70. I sometimes see the movies by myself, so I saw that one by myself. I was the only person in there under 70. And um, it was really boring. It was it was really boring. If you've seen this, if you've seen any sports any sports movie, you have seen this movie. There's, I think my biggest critique against it is the main character has no development, and also there is no outside conflict be to make them win other than just for the sake of winning for America. And I and there was for a minute and there in the beginning for him to make the team because he need money, and there was a little bit there because the school needed the money. But that's it. That was like two. That was like one race that that actually affected everything. The rest of it's just for the sake of winning. I think they really could have had something else in there to make you really want them to win, other than for the sake of patriotism, other than the sake of being a patriot. Which, of course, I'm a patriot. Anytime we're going against the Nazis, I'm like, yeah, they're going down, and it was really, it was really fun to see that. Although it was weird, in the last sort of the movie, like Hitler shows up. It was just like, what, what am I watching? What is happening there? This is a boomer coded movie, and if I've ever seen, done seen one. Especially because everybody in them, everybody in the movie, they all look. The college kids all looked over thirty. So, and also the funny, the funniest thing, and the movie started is that Callum Turner, the main character, you can clearly tell he has bleached his hair. Like that is not a natural look for him. And it might be because I've seen him other stuff, but no, it did not look natural at all. And he is living homeless. There's holes in his shoe, but he could afford to get his hair bleached. <laughs> at least that's that's my head canon at this point. So yeah. There, there's not really not much happens outside of boat racing scenes. And I never knew boat racing was ever that popular as it was. They said like 100,000 people were showing up for this championship thing halfway through the movie. And I said, what? How was this a popular sport in the 30s? I, ne I never knew. So, hey, at least I got to learn that. 
and see Americans succeed. But other than that, it was so boring, and I just, I don't need to see this movie ever again because I have already seen this movie 20 times at this point. So yeah, boo. Do something original, please. Um, then, as for the stream movies I've watched, I haven't watched very many streaming movies because I've been more obsessed with see- going out and seeing the new ones. But the first one, May, December, I weirdly loved this movie. I loved the messaging it had. Charles Melton should win Best Supporting Actor. He was fantastic. I thought Natalie Portman should be in Best Actress consideration. And Julianne Moore should be in Best Supporting Actress. Like that, Those three were just such a powerhouse. I loved the conversation between Julianne Moore and Charles Melton about their relationship and how it started. That was I, my... My I didn't I wasn't breathing during that whole three minute scene. I was just I had to be focused on it, and I just it was just wow. I was was really not expecting anything from it, but I really really enjoyed that film. Then Rebel Moon, Rebel Moon sucked, and it also took me two days to watch it. So I kept pausing it and coming back, pausing and coming back. But by the time we got to that final action scene, I was like, okay, I like this. I like the final action scene. The rest of the movie, no, it was so bad. And there's tons of people that have already critiqued, so I don't want to critique it too much. But why would you make a director's cut for a movie that's releasing on Netflix where you can do whatever you want because it's Netflix. They made like $30 billion this year. You can you can afford, like, oh, uh, just, it grinds my gears that we're going to have this version, but no, it's the inferior version. You have to wait on the director's cut. And then there's part two coming out in April, and that's kind of a director's cut as well. Like, what? What? Let me see the good movie, please, because this wasn't a good movie. I can't name me one character. I did like that lead actress, but oh, they were all, oh, oh. Okay, bad movie. Don't watch it. Don't waste your time. Unless you're a huge, huge Zack Snyder fan. But if so, you've already seen it if you're a huge Zack Snyder fan. But I would, if you scroll through Netflix, I would not turn that movie on. Then Quiz Lady, which I finally got around to. I think they released in early November. But I finally got around to it. And oh, it was amazing. I laughed so hard. I think it made my dad cry because we just recently lost our cat and got a new one. And I was like, this, oh, it was perfect. Perfect night watching that movie. Sandra O. Oh, can Sandra O. Oh please always dress like that? Because she looks amazing, and it's, she was just so funny. The one scene that got me was, was probably the Aquafina getting high scene. That was really funny. And then just the, I love how they ended the movie like it was a real person's story, and they were going through the Times events. It was it was perfect. I loved it. Then as for, I only watched a few shows. I watched What If, which I thought was an improvement over season one. My favorite episode was definitely that Captain Carter, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Black Widow episode. That was great. Kohori's a great new character. Overall, it was just kind of meh on it like the first season i'm not overly fond, overly fond of it percy jackson though which i'm only halfway through that show is incredible like i couldn't imagine it ever being this good i'm i'm just like green light season two now please and then lastly for for christmas i got the avatar the way of water 4k edition which i still need to i had to buy a dvd remote for it because my dvd i haven't used my dvd player in years and i couldn't find the remote so i had to buy a new remote for it but I love all the extras put on there. And specifically, you got to see the extra scene of the climax of the film where they cut down on the violence. And I love being able to see that. Even though I understand why they cut down it. Most of the scenes that were on there, I'm like, yeah, that should have been cut because that was boring as hell. But that one scene, I was like, oh, thank you, James Cameron, for letting me see this. The script was even on this thing, which I hope means that they will eventually make print out a copy of it and sell it as a book because I would buy it. As for 2023 films that I still need to watch, I still need to watch Saltborn. Saltborn. Saltburn, which is on Prime Video, which I will get around to. I just really need to motivate myself to watch that. Napoleon, which comes out on Tuesday on digital. Anatomy of the Fall, which I'm really excited to watch. And as long as Zone of Interest, but I don't think that's out just yet where I can watch it. Maestro, I started it, made 10 minutes. I was like, no, I can't watch this right now. So I watched Quiz Lady. Then Poor Things, American Fiction, 
Those two, I cannot see because they have never expanded near me. And it's really annoying because I just want to watch the damn movie. And these studios make it so hard. Like, dude, take my money, but I can't go see it because you won't ever expand to a theater near me. Oh, it, just, it really makes me really annoyed. So when everything's talking, everybody's talking about it. And I live in LA or New York, so I can't go see that movie. It's just, oh, annoying. I also need to see Migration, which I will do pretty soon. Because that's like the last like main, main wide release Christmas movie I haven't seen yet. My friend wants to go see it, so I'm waiting for them when they're free. And I will go see it with them. The top movies this year, like the top 10 for 2023, we'll have to wait until I see the rest of this list that I just listed off. Some of these could end up among my favorites. I think American Fiction might, just knowing my sensibilities. 2023 didn't quite have the standout, standouts that I'm in love with. Like I had wouldn't happen to me in 2022, which... Sucks. There was Spider-Verse, Dungeons and Dragons, Elemental, but more none of these Oscar-type films really stood out to me as much as they have in, year, in years past. There was Holdovers and Iron Claw, but of course you have Barbie and Oppenheimer, those stuff can do, but I think, I don't, they're, all those are fantastic movies, but none that I would say like are my personal favorite movies of the year of all time. Um, usually when I say favorite films of the year, I don't really give a favorite film of all time. I just do favorite film of 2022 or 2020. 2018 because most of my favorite films are newer and people will get mad because i don't pick a movie that's 10 years or older i've just i've just i've just noticed that <laughs> but as for what's coming next week we got like four new wide releases you got the beekeeper jason statham action movie that looks really fun mean girls which is a musical most people don't know that and it's fun telling them and seeing their reaction to their faces then we got book clarence i still don't know what the heck the movie is about something about i don't know what it's about jesus and the apostles and faking being jesus i really I, I have no idea what, what it's about at all. Then we got the Soul re-release, which was my favorite movie of 2020. So I'm excited to see that on the big screen. It's going to be great. Tonight at the Golden Globes, as I said, it's, they started like 20 minutes ago. So I have them on pause. So I'm going to get back to that. Um, we got the Bills versus Miami game, which just started. So I need to watch that too. And another Percy Jackson episode on Thursday. And on Thursday, on Tuesday. And then Echo releases, which I think could be really good, but also really bad. So fingers crossed it's really good. As for what's next for the channel, I definitely will have some Oscar coverage, all those Super Bowl trailer breakdowns. I hope the Super Bowl, hope the Chiefs are in it, hope the Chiefs win again, please. But it's going to be more like this and off the top of my head instead of writing out scripts. I would like to get back on the schedule with like an episode every two weeks if I could try to do that, but I don't know if that's feasible with the amount of work I'm doing in other areas of my life. And especially with college, I have to figure out where I'm going and all that stuff. Um, but thank you, everybody that stuck around for my almost two-month break. I'm glad I got to put an episode out for there for y'all. And you guys have a good night now. Bye-bye.